Hi, I'm Tamika K. Sam, and I just had an incredible conversation with Ryan and the world, the speakers around racial injustice, the unrest that's happening in this country right now, and how you should. And it is your responsibility to weave in these topics while you're speaking. Please tune in. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In this special series, we interview speaking experts on how to navigate the coronavirus as a professional speaker. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ahoy, everybody. Welcome to another special edition of the World of Speakers. I mean, they're all special as far as I'm concerned, but today is super special because we have a special guest, Topeka Sam. She is a speaker, she's an advocate, and she's an entrepreneur. Today, we're going to be talking about her life experience, about how she's navigating this pandemic, and get some advice on how we as speakers can use the platform and our voices for Agents of Change. Topeka, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan, so much. I'm excited to share. Thank you for having me a part of this. Well, let's jump right into it. You said you're excited to share. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> I always like to throw people under the love bus. This is not going to hurt. But instead of spending days learning about your amazing past, if you had to take one blip, one sonar blip of a moment in your life or a story that you think is a good representation of who you are as a person. And if that's the only thing, I'm like, gosh, I had Topeka on my show this one time. And then after that, they're like, wow, what story comes to mind? There was this one day I went to an NA meeting inside of a county jail in Pamunkey, Virginia. And I was there and I started going to these meetings because I wanted to know why people use drugs because I didn't. And I had an idea of why they did. And it was because they wanted to. And there was a young woman who told me that her father had been raping her and he gave her heroin. And he told her if she'd take the heroin, that the pain would go away, that she would stop crying from him abusing her. And in that moment, I realized that often people don't have a choice. They don't have a choice to use drugs. They don't have a choice to try to numb pains of harm that's caused to them which immediately I became spiritually convicted. And as I was going through a federal drug conspiracy case, I decided to plead guilty because I was in order to make amends from the harm that I had caused uh, for many, many years uh, prior. Wow. It's hard to come up with a single word for that experience. It's dynamic. It's vulnerable. It shares a lot about your wanting to listen you're wanting to learn, taking responsibility, and not being afraid to share. And I think that those things definitely makes me see you as an advocate and somebody who is not just from the outside, but that's actually involved. Thank you. It actually gave me kind of like the chills. It makes me think to the fact that everybody's going through something, right? We all fight our own battles, but it's so easy to judge from the outside when you look at the large numbers. Oh, people are in jail. A lot of them do drugs. Okay, they must all be violent criminals. But it's so easy to assume as opposed to be willing to learn that your perception is your perception. It's not their reality. Absolutely. You said it so just right on target because when you look at what's happening in this country today even, around all of the gender inequity, the racial injustices, the systemic racism, that it is a bold time where people are actually listening 
people are saying no more can people just deny the things that are happening because everything is so in your face. And what is incredible about this moment is the fact that people do want to learn. No longer is it like it's their problem or we're not like that. They're realizing that in this country, United States, that this is all of our issue. And while so many people come because it's supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave, but it is not for so many, that now I'm seeing a moment in history that I have never read about, that I've never seen, where people of all ethnicities, all sexual orientations, religious beliefs are coming together in order to right a wrong. And so it's incredible right now. So thank you. That's what just came up for me when you were talking about our perceptions and our perceptions of people. Yeah. And it's not something that is easy. I think it's easier to default and ignore the fact that you said people can't deny. I think what is challenging is that there are some people who are still denying and some people I'd say for every person that's willing to learn and listen, there's maybe like a half person that is not. If we look at this concept of the land of the free, I've been stressed out lately. Like I woke up this morning and the first thing that came to my mind was just thinking of how many people are not listening, how many people are listening to one side. And there's so many deep rooted beliefs and paradigms that it's not an easy thing to just like crack off. And I was talking with a friend yesterday because I was frustrated. I saw something on Twitter and I was sort of venting to him. And he's like, Ryan, this doesn't happen overnight. This has been happening for centuries. It's going to take a while for things to really, really change. But what's important is that we're having this conversation now. Absolutely. I recently, I mean, well, since the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all these things that were happening at Mont Arbery, back to back to back, that everyone was seeing and being elevated in a way that it hasn't been because it happens every day in this country. I've been speaking a lot around racial injustice and the things that are happening as it relates to police brutality in the country. And I've been speaking a lot to large groups of privileged or successful, wealthy white women. And in those conversations, there was one woman who said that she was so proud of her husband because when he had watched what happened to George Floyd, that he just turned to her and was like, wow, I never knew how racist I was because what he saw allowed him to understand the severity of the things that are happening And he identified something in him from just watching a man get murdered. And she said to him, she was like, that's the sexiest thing that you've ever seen. (laughs) But for her, it was like, wow, you know, for him to acknowledge, you know, where he has, uh, how he has lived and the way that he has thought for so long, based on his own life experiences. We come from our life experience, what we think, how we move, how we view people, how we view ourselves. It's really based on how other people see us and what is imparted into us throughout our life. And so just the fact that he was able to acknowledge that to his wife, you know, and she was able to share that with me was just incredible because for him now, he can no longer go about thinking and operating in a capacity because he has now acknowledged his own shortcomings. And so I think that that's happening more and more right now, you know, seeing people on the front lines of all, like I said, races coming together understanding, yeah, there's one guy in Philadelphia who ripped down, he worked for the courts as a supervisor in family court and ripped down the posters that said Black Lives Matter. And he was like, well, I don't care about Black lives. And so they videoed it. He ended up getting fired 
but there were other white young men who came back and posted all of the things that he took down. People are holding each other accountable in a different way. People are utilizing their resources and influence in order to bring conversations like this to larger audiences. And that's where we have to start talking about these issues, acknowledging issues, so that we can truly try to work together to make the changes that's needed in our countries. Touche. One thing that came to my mind as you were referring to the video, and it's heartbreaking to watch. I know people that know about it and they've heard so much about it that they just can't watch it, but they still understand and experience it. And this example of somebody watching it and having this revelation, it makes me think of the power of visual storytelling. I mean, there is some audio, but for the most part, if you just take that clip, it makes me think of like body language. There's nothing more powerful than seeing something play out in real life. And you know what a cop outfit is. You can read the body language. You can see whether you hear him say, I can't breathe or not. It's so powerful. And to have somebody see that and make that much of an impact on such a rooted paradigm and way that they think about things, it makes me think about your ability to take something like that and share the message behind it with these people. So it's almost like you are taking and not only translating, but amplifying and bringing relevance based on this incident as a speaker. And I think that how do you speak to the other speakers out there, both black and white and of all colors, how do we take this moment and incorporate it into our message? Should we be looking to incorporate it? And for me personally, I have. I've been trying to weave this in But for those people who are timid or they're not sure or they don't want to put themselves out there to join in this conversation or use their platform or their podcast or their blogs, what can we say to encourage them that the fear they have is actually indicating that they're in the right direction, that they can use their platform and their speaking skills to amplify this message that people might see, but you can help them hear? Absolutely. And so here's the thing, right? As speakers, we have a very unique job and or responsibility to get messages out the most authentic way that we can. And so as shy as, you know, I may be in certain spaces and at times, you know, when it comes time for me to talk about the issues that are most passionate to me, I speak about them. People may not agree with my viewpoint. I don't believe any woman or girl should be in prison or jail, period, irrespective of what their crime was. I believe there are alternatives to incarceration and there are ways to heal people while holding them accountable. And we've seen it in other countries outside of the United States, Germany, Norway, they have great practices that they use as it relates to transformation of people in their lives and rehabilitation and also accountability. People sometimes look at me like I'm crazy. I said it on an MSNBC news special. (laughs) All of the feedback that I got from it, they were like, She said, what? You know, but (laughs) when you say things that are bold and often radical, it activates people to listen, to dig deeper and to want to learn more. And so this is not a time, a moment in history where we can be timid. It's all of our responsibilities to utilize the platforms that we have in order to amplify messages that are changed this country and the way that people think globally. I think There are people who believe that we should have segregation and that, you know, people should stay within their own little spaces, in their little communities and not integrate. Some people feel that way. I think that those conversations are often necessary also so that people have an idea of, you know, how different people are thinking and how they can come about approaching the work or approaching where their passion points are in order to make substantial change. 
So everyone is not going to say the things that I said, right? Yes, Black Lives Matter. But you have the other side of people that say blue lives matter. I may not agree and understand the dynamic around that because you don't have to amplify communities that are not oppressed. This is why there's a a BLM movement happening. However, I think it is absolutely necessary for people to use free speech, for them to talk based on their own lived experience. And that way, even when I hear these type of conversations that I may not necessarily agree with, I can share from my own lived experience and perspective, which often will enlighten a person in a different way because who they see people who are different than them is often not truly who they are, that we have more in common than we don't. I hope I answered that question. You did, you did. And it uh, one thing visually that went in my mind was to this image that I saw that I was compelled to put as my pinned tweet because my background on all my social is hashtag Black Lives Matter. I just want to make a statement and acknowledge what's going on. But for people, they might be defensive and go, well, yes, blue lives matter. Well, yes, all lives matter. Well, like, And it becomes this like argument that doesn't scratch below what the meaning is. And it's a picture of this young African-American girl and she's holding the sign. And I, for me, I just want to read what this says because this really connected with me. We said Black Lives Matter. We never said only Black Lives Matter. We know all lives matter. We just need your help with Black Lives Matter for Black lives are in danger now. And it's this like, look, we're saying all lives matter, but it's sometimes that catchphrase just sort of really puts people off guard. But like, if you get past that defensiveness, yeah, all lives matter. Every single life matters. But if you look at what's happened over the last 400 years and you actually look, you can't deny that there's a difference. And I think that's where, I think I feel like this is different than it has been in the past. Mm -hmm. I agree. You hit it on the nose. And I think, well, thank you for pinning that on your page and utilizing your platform in order to get people to see and also have these conversations. Again, you know, the only way you're able to educate or know what people are missing, if they're not speaking about the things that they believe and feel, you don't know how you can impart your wisdom into helping to change the narrative around these issues and also to impart things in their lives that will have, have them want to move differently and think differently. So it's all necessary and relevant. You know, I don't like going back and forth with people either. Often I just let them say what they need to say. And then I'll take my moment to get on my soapbox and say what I have to say. And that's just how we do that. So I, I want to somewhat not fully transition, but build upon because we are in the middle of a pandemic. And personally, as a professional speaker, everything's been cut. I had tons of international travel. I had amazing gigs that I've worked years, literally, to build relationships with and build my brand to get there. And now there's this feeling of like, okay, I've now been chopped off at the knees and I'm stumbling around and there's this virtual platform to do. But can you see and maybe share the opportunities and the bright spots in this pandemic? The fact that there are no live events happening, it sounds like you've really taken advantage of the digital platforms. So can you share with us how in this time of a pandemic, when typically as a speaker, you should be crying miserably with a glass of wine in a hot tub <laughs> with Epsom salt, how have you personally taken advantage of this slow time to sort of ramp up? You're being featured on the news. I'm assuming that you're doing more podcasts like this. Talk to us as speakers. How can we take advantage of the moment to build on what we said? Maybe there's an opportunity to really participate in these conversations digitally. So how are you navigating this pandemic? How is that affecting and how are you using it to your advantage, really? Absolutely. So, you know, 
of course, I'm devastated about not being able to travel as much as I was, as we all are. However, it did give me an opportunity to sit still and really think about in what direction did I want to go within this time? Who are the audiences that I wanted to tap into that necessarily I didn't before? And how can I do that? And if I'm able to speak on podcasts, on a digital platform, I'm able to impact more people. I have access to millions and millions of viewers, opposed to me going to a conference and only speaking to a few thousand. And so for me, it was really building out a network, revisiting all of the conferences, the people that I've met throughout the several years, and just saying, this is what we need to do now. We're in a global pandemic. People are listening, and they're listening differently. And these are the things that I speak about, and I think the time is now to impart them, whether it's in your corporation, I was on a call yesterday, a panel with Jane Street, um, and it was over 350 of the employees on the call. And I was blown away. And it was six o'clock Eastern, you know, but it just showed and the numbers kept going up. And it showed that people, despite whether they're Wall Street, it's a hedge fund, it's a prison, it's a university, it's anything, a hospital, people want to know, like one, how are you coping in these moments? But two, you know, how can we continue to push forward to get our message out and also, you know, make a living for ourselves? Because public speakers, you get paid by speaking. And so instead of crying and having your glass of wine in the hot tub with some Epsom salt, you know, (laughs) figure out what wine company (laughs) you can talk to about those emotions and how they're handling it and drink responsibly. (laughs) Yeah, Maybe get an Epsom salt sponsorship, right? Like All of it, you know? It's been fashion designers have been reaching out, having opportunities to take over different people's Instagram pages that have millions of followers, just being creative. And then when this breaks, the pandemic that is, and it will, things will lift up, you'll have greater opportunities, new spaces that you'll be able to impact and more money that you can make. So, you know, while I love being on the plane, I also love being safe. And, you know, though I may have three wardrobe changes in one day for three different panels, that at least we're able to still get our message out, do the speaking that we need to do so that we can continue to to have a career of what we all love to do. Awesome. Two things that I picked up there is, well, you said sit still and that tied in with the bathtub. And I think that I've done my fair share of sitting and being still. And it's a, I guess it's a balance between getting excited about where I can go and navigate this new world and then being like frustrated with there being so many options and it not being what I thought it was. I will admit it's not like easy. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to flip the switch. But this idea of using the time to sit still has value. Yes. The other thing I want to point out is you talked about people are listening, but they're listening differently. Absolutely. And so I want to know what are your one, two or three tips that helps you feel comfortable in front of the Zoom camera in these large digital panels for somebody who maybe was focused on that live stage. There are a couple practical tips that you find yourself defaulting to that others might find value in from essentially standing on your, I mean, you're not even standing, you're sitting on your stage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is, as you see, and I don't know if they'll be able to see me, but I still get myself together as if I'm going on a stage. So that's one. It's funny because when I'm on Zoom calls, you know, people's hair to pull back in a ponytail of, 
don't women know, you know, just not together. Right. <laughs> because everything has been so relaxed. But when you look good, you feel good. And so that energy that we've had when we're on the stage and we're sharing in that capacity, you can still project that if you are still getting yourself together. So I think that's like a cardinal rule, at least for me. And I would share that, number one. Number two, it's, again, preparation around the same things. Understanding that because, as you say, that people are listening differently right now, you being able to captivate them in a time with enthusiasm and energy around whatever the topic that you're speaking about is critical right now because you are inspiring people in a different way and people are aspiring to be more like you during these times. So even if it's only 30 minutes, 20 minutes that you're speaking, make it count as if you're on a stage. Lastly, I play music all the time to keep my spirit going. These are just little techniques and tactics because they can be like moody blues, if you will, just sitting in a place when you're used to moving around, being animated. But you can do all of that on the camera. And if you need practice because it's uncomfortable, do a Zoom with your friends. I mean, me and my friends have a little happy hour. We do it. We bring our wine, not in the tub, though. But we'll talk. And you know, it allows you to be more comfortable to me. I know on stage, I get nervous more because I see the people right in front of me. And I'm reading their body language differently. On the camera, I'm not. I know I'm in my house, even though sometimes we can see all the people out there. The way that they are engaging is different. You can see the level of intensity differently. And for most of us, I think that's how we are actually activated to perform, if you will. Those are great. So speaking to those where I relate with dressing, I was in my workout outfit before, but I put on a nice little collared shirt, did my hair. So I'm right on stage with you. I'd say you definitely win in the beauty contest if we were up against each other, but that's a whole side story. Another thing, I recently had an opportunity to speak in Nigeria virtually last week, and I spoke in Ghana the year before, and when I was there, I had some custom kaftans made, because when I speak, I like to go there early and immerse myself in the culture, and so I spoke in a kaftan, and it was an amazing experience, so I had a few more made. So here I am, show up on this call, there's hundreds of people on the call, and there's, I think, two other speakers but when I showed up, I was standing up. I had my kaftan on. Everybody was like, what? Like everyone else is just sitting down, right? So they're just sitting down there. And so I really presented myself like I was there, like I had traveled thousands of miles to get there. And that did help bring my energy because I got kind of caught up in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I love the third concept of music and just understanding that there is a rhythm. There is a vibe. Personally, I rap every once in a while and I'll actually turn my cell phone on with some music and like, actually incorporate music. But this idea of people are listening differently, they pick up on your voice. Yes. And I have been on calls, as you have, where people just end up losing the melody in their voice. And it's like, here we are on another day. It's just such a difference between making your voice musical to the people who are hearing. So those are great three tips. Now, the one thing I want to ask you in addition is what not to do. What is the biggest Zoom faux pas that you can think of that you've experienced? And I, yeah, Jennifer is one. You don't want to bring your computer to the bathroom, but like, <laughs> what's something we should avoid doing? Bad lighting. Okay. <laughs> Number one, because remember, we're on the stage, we have a whole AV support, but now you don't. So get you a good light. 
number one. <laughs> I would say number two is make sure that you are muted and your camera's off if you're not ready. Because okay, yes. That could be an epic fail. I've seen that happen where people just come on and they're not together. It is all bad. Funny for the people watching, but not so funny for the speaker. I right. would say make sure, you know, those backgrounds. So yesterday... I was on a Zoom call and someone had the digital backdrop in, yeah. but they had a hat on. It was like a brim hat. And so the one of the sides kept cutting off every time <laughs> they moved. And so you couldn't even hear or listen to what they were saying because all I could do was laughing at that. So making sure that whatever props that you have are stable, no noise. If you have children, make sure that they're outside playing. And not running around because although your audience is going to be considerate and understand that we're in different times, they really don't want to hear that. They didn't come on to hear that and they're not interested unless you're going to bring the baby on and share with the people. Let the kids be outside playing while you're speaking. So that's what I would say, like the do not do's, but no bad light is for sure. Yeah. Hey, this is all great stuff. And if I think back on this conversation, I still think about that initial story you told me. And that you put yourself into an environment to experience and be uncomfortable and get uncomfortable to find some level of comfort. And though it's nowhere in comparison, showing up to Zoom with that same type of learner mentality, but also leader mentality. And I think that it's so important, not only for African-Americans to share their voice, but for the community of people who are not African-American to take the chance to get involved in the conversation because I feel those who don't, when they look back on this time, they will realize that they've missed an opportunity to use their platform as an agent of change. And I don't think it's off brand. I think if it's not something that you're weaving in, then it means you're tone deaf. And when it comes to these large corporations who are going to be paying the 10, 20, $30,000 honorariums, they're going to sniff you out. They're going to see if your brand represents what they want to portray moving forward. Especially around diversity and inclusion. You're right. These corporations are really looking at that area. And it's not just to your point, bringing speakers of color, although that's where they are throwing a lot of money. They're also wanting to bring socially conscious people that look more like their employees and their corporation to help to push that forward. So, and to your point, Adding this conversation in your platform will only help to amplify your platform and bring in new people and new opportunities for you because everyone is listening differently. That was so powerful. Said that, Ryan. I love it. This has not only been inspiring, but it's thought provoking. And I think we really landed on something that's underneath the ground. And we just need to start digging and find how we can all get our messages in alignment with what we really believe. And I believe that there's enough people that are on the same page that that message will be continue to be amplified. So thanks again for your time. And I look at this as an opportunity to meet you and I look forward to staying connected. For those people who are listening and they're like, I want to learn more, I want to connect and they want to be one of the million people that you have access to, where do they go? How do people best connect with you and get you? They can go to my website, which is blessings.nyc. If they want to learn more about the work that we do at the Ladies of Hope Ministries and our Speakers Bureau through Faces of Women in Prison, that would be uh, the, T-H-E-L-O-H-M dot O-R-G. 
or follow me on all social media platforms at my name, Topeka K. Sam. Awesome. And I want to thank you again. I've talked with Andreas and he said, you've been such a great supporter of Speaker Hub and you guys have had some projects working. And again, I think that Speaker Hub is a great platform for up and coming speakers as well, because if you've always wanted to be a speaker, but you've never been able to get to the stage and you don't know how it works, this is a new time. And if you are not putting yourself out there as a speaker, you won't be found as a speaker. And Speaker Hub is a place to do that. So if you haven't gotten your profile, here's an opportunity too, so that you can use and create a platform that you can not only share what you think, but find other like-minded people because it's not always just about the conversations that you have from one to many. I want to bring it back and finish with, it's these conversations. It's you and me talking. It's connecting with people off stage, behind stage. That's really where the work needs to happen. And it's not easy, but it's fulfilling. It's satisfying. I feel like we've had a good convo. Yes, we did. Thank you so much, Ryan. All right. Well, that wraps it up. And this is just the beginning. We are in a new era, but make sure that you are participating in a way that you feel proud of. And on behalf of myself and the world of speakers, we will see you on the next episode. And if you like this, if you love it, which I'm sure you do, don't forget to leave your five-star review. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to check out Topeka. We'll see you later. Adios.